Section one of the Ingoldsby Legends First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ingoldsby Legends First Series by Richard Harris Barham. Section one. To Richard Bentley, Esquire. My dear sir, you wish me to collect into a single volume certain rambling extracts from our family memoranda many of which have already appeared in the pages of your miscellany at the same time you tell me that doubts are entertained in certain quarters as to the authenticity of their details now with respect to their genuineness the old oak chest in which the originals are deposited is not more familiar to my eyes than it is to your own and if its contents have any value at all it consists in the strict veracity of the facts they record to convince the most incredulous i can only add that should business pleasure is out of the question ever call them into the neighbourhood of folkestone let them take the high road from canterbury to dover till they reach the eastern extremity of barham downs here a beautiful green lane diverging abruptly to the right will carry them through the oxenden plantations and the unpretending village of denton to the foot of a very respectable hill as hills go in this part of europe on reaching its summit let them look straight before them and if among the hanging woods which crown the opposite side of the valley they cannot distinguish an antiquated manor-house of elizabethan architecture with its gable ends stone stanchions and tortuous chimneys rising above the surrounding trees why the sooner they procure a pair of dolan's patent spectacles the better if on the contrary they can manage to descry it and proceeding some five or six furlongs through the avenue will ring at the lodge-gate they cannot mistake the stone lion with the ingoldsby escutcheon ermine a psalter and grailed jewels in his paws they will be received with a hearty old english welcome the papers in question having been written by different parties and at various periods i have thought it advisable to reduce the more ancient of them into a comparatively modern phraseology and to make my collateral ancestor father john especially deliver himself like a man of this world mr maguire indeed is the only gentleman who in his account of the late coronation retains his own rich vernacular as to arrangement i shall adopt the sentiment expressed by the constable of bourbon four centuries ago testy shakespeare one which seems to become more fashionable every day the devil take all order i'll to the throng believe me to be my dear sir yours most indubitably and immeasurably thomas ingoldsby tappington everard january twentieth eighteen forty preface to the second edition to richard bentley esq my dear sir i should have replied sooner to your letter but that the last three days in january are 
as you are aware, always dedicated at the hall to an especial battue. And the old house is full of shooting jackets, shot belts, and double joes. Even the women wear percussion caps. And your favourite, Rover, who you may remember, examined the calves of your legs with such suspicious curiosity at Christmas, is as pheasant mad as if he were a biped, instead of being a genuine four-legged scion of the Blenheim breed. I have managed, however, to avail myself of a lucid interval in the general hallucination, how the rain did come down on Monday, and, as you tell me the excellent friend whom you are in the habit of styling a generous and enlightened public, has emptied your shelves of the first edition, and asks for more. Why, I agree with you. It would be a want of respect to that very respectable personification, when furnishing him with a further supply, not to endeavour at least to amend my faults, which are few, and your own, which are more numerous. I have, therefore, gone to work con amore, supplying occasionally on my own part a deficient note or elucidatory stanza and on yours knocking out without remorse your superfluous eyes and now and then eviscerating your colon my duty to your illustrious friend thus performed i have a crow to pluck with him why will he persist as you tell me he does persist in calling me by all sorts of names but those to which I am entitled by birth and baptism, my sponsorial and patronymic appellations, as Dr. Pangloss has it. Mrs. Malaprop complains, and with justice, of an assault upon her parts of speech, but to attack one's very existence, to deny that one is a person in essay, and scarcely to admit that one may be a person in posse is tenfold cruelty it is pressing to death whipping and hanging let me entreat all such likewise to remember that as shakespeare beautifully expresses himself elsewhere i give his words as quoted by a very worthy baronet in a neighbouring county when protesting against a defamatory placard at a general election. Who steals my purse steals stuff. T'was mine, tisn't his, nor nobody else's. But he who runs away with my good name robs me of what does not do him any good, and makes me deuced poor. Footnote. A reading which seems most unaccountably to have escaped the researches of all modern Shakespeareans including the rival editors of the new and illustrated versions. End footnote. In order utterly to squabash and demolish every gainsayer I had thought at one time of asking my old and esteemed friend Richard Lane to crush them at once with his magic pencil and to transmit my features to posterity, where all his works are sure to be delivered according to the direction but somehow the noble-looking profiles which he has recently executed of the Kemble family put me a little out of conceit of my own, while the undisguised amusement which my Mephistopheles eyebrow, as he termed it, afforded him, 
in the full face, induced me to lay aside the design. Besides, my dear sir, since, as has well been observed, there never was a married man yet who had not somebody remarkably like him walking about town, it is a thousand to one, but my lineaments might, after all, out of sheer perverseness, be ascribed to anybody rather than to the real owner. I have therefore sent you, instead thereof, a fair sketch of Tappington, taken from the Folston Road. I tore it last night out of Julia Simpkinson's album. Get jilks to make a woodcut of it. And now, if any miscreant, I use the word only in its primary and Pickwickian sense of unbeliever, ventures to throw any further doubt upon the matter. Why, as Jack Cade's friend says in the play, there are the chimneys in my father's house, and the bricks are alive at this day to testify it. Why, very well then, we hope here be truths. Heaven be with you, my dear sir. I was getting a little excited, but you, who are mild as the milk that dews the soft whisker of the new-weaned kitten, will forgive me when, wiping away the nascent moisture from my brow, I pull in and subscribe myself. Yours quite as much as his own, Thomas Inglesby, Tappington Everard, February 2nd, 1843. End of section 1